Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's happening, everyone? Welcome back. It is Jay Scott. It is the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Thanks for tuning in and stopping by. I always appreciate it. Don't forget, when you're done listening to the episode, to write us a review. Let us know what you think. We always appreciate the feedback. We are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, a great network of music-related podcasts. There's something for everyone's music taste on Pantheon Podcast. You can check them out at pantheonpodcast.com as well as on all social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Pantheon Pods, as well as The Hook Rocks on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Hook Rocks. And don't forget to set your app to automatic download so you get the latest episodes right to your phone. We're approaching our 500th episode. We're approaching our four-year anniversary, so there's excitement in the air. We've got some cool stuff planned as we get closer to those milestones, so stay tuned, and uh, don't forget to keep checking us out. We've had some Great episodes recently. We just had Scott Gorham from Thin Lizzy with our co-host Don Jameson. We talked about the recent release that he had a huge part in. The boys are back in town live at the Sydney Opera House, which he was able to remaster, remix, and put it together with the Phil Lynott documentary, Songs for While I'm Away. So great interview, very forthcoming, very open. We appreciate that. We had some great new music spotlights. We just had a band from the Netherlands called D Wolf. Great R&B, bluesy, soulful rock and roll band. 
as well as Bourbon House, a band from Wisconsin, another great blues rock band as well. We had Tyler Bryant from Tyler Bryant and the Shakedown. We did our quarterly album review where we ranked the top 10 albums of the first quarter of 2023. And some great guests uh, recently, too, like Richie Kotzen of the Winery Dogs and Rick Nielsen from Cheap Trick. So check out all those and more. And uh, once again, always appreciate you listening. My next guest is someone that I've wanted to talk to for a while. Extremely talented, one of the most iconic voices from when I was younger, back in the you know 80s and early 90s. And it is a great pleasure to welcome Milenko Matijevich from the band Steelheart. What's happening, man? How are you? Thanks for having me on your show. Great to have you here, man. Thanks for doing this. Looking forward to getting to know you um, over the next episode here. But we always ask the same first question every time we have a first-time guest. And that is just like every great rock song has a hook that pulls you in. Every rock band has a moment, whether it's a song, an album, a band, or performance that hooked them on rock and roll. What was it for you? Oh, I would I would probably say uh, Black Dog by Led Zeppelin. That's where I went. Everything went, you know. I started off. I started off as uh, doing a country country music, Johnny Cash and John Denver, and you know all of that that uh, that style. Because when I came to this country, I didn't even how would I say I didn't uh, I didn't know anything. I barely spoke English, you know. And that's what my father liked, so he geared us to that, and we learned the songs and learned and. We did little concerts every Sunday, you know, we got graded, but, um, and then one day, uh, we started, uh, hanging out with these other musicians and this played me black dog. And it was like, once he played that, I was like, okay, this is like some serious shit here. This is like, I, I, this is, ooh, it just went boom. I'm gone. This is me, you know? So, and, and I redid black dog, by the way, um, you know, did my version of it. So, um, yeah, Black Dog, Zeppelin. That song is such a unique song when you think of the structure of it, right? Um, it's a def- defining blues rock song, but the way the drums are played with the guitar, it's very challenging. And it's it's one of the reasons why that song is really not covered a lot live. It's because it's a very difficult song to play, although it doesn't seem like it. And I guess that's what the greatness of that song is, is it seems so easy, but it really isn't. Well, you know, not just the music, but also the vocal. It's not it's not the easiest song uh, to sing. Well, all the Zeppelin songs are not, you know, it's uh, it, everything's a challenge, you know. And in reality, all music, all you know, that you do is that you got to fall into the soul to capture the energy of the essence of what the song is. You know, how would I say connect to their spirits, you know, what came through them. So, um, yeah, man. But, uh, you know, this is what we do. So you jump in and you do it. Was that your gateway into Zeppelin? I mean, like, was there more that came after that? You know, what was the next step in your journey? Um, right after that, you know, we we put a band together called Teaser. And it, we did a bunch of Zeppelin songs. And then we started writing uh, originals. And I think at that point I was 12 maybe 13. And, um, and we met this, um, producer, um, and we, uh, connected with him and he wanted us to go into the studio into New York. And it was, uh, it was, uh, what's the word? 
it was a little scary, you know, being at that age, you know, to right away be offered something like, let's see if we got something for real. And um, everything was great until, um, what do you call it? Uh, the drummer actually, sorry, I just lost you for a second. One second. Um, so the drummer uh, just, uh, he, he got scared shitless and he quit. <laughs> and he quit and it kind of fell apart. But, um, but hey, I kept going. I kept going and uh, just kept writing and then joined a band called The Mission with uh, Elliot Lewis, who was, uh, who was with the Average White Band. And now, who's he playing with now? Somebody that's very famous. And uh, I was, what, 15? And, and we, uh, we were uh, jamming, performing live, writing songs. It was all his songs, actually. And um, from there, what happened is I was performing in, uh, in, a, in a club called Night Owl in uh, Norwalk, Connecticut. And that was like the place to play, you know. And uh, I was doing a show with, with The Mission and this other gentleman, Don Stroh, at Stroh Studios. He goes, hey, I think you guys are great. I think the band sounds great, but this is more, you're more of like a rock guy. And this is more of like a, um, it was more pop. You know, a little more. Um, yeah, it was. It was just a different style. And he goes, uh, "I really want to introduce you to a couple of guys that rehearse in my studio." And that's when I came in. I met Chris and Jimmy and, and Jack at that point, and we turned up to twelve, and we did some Zeppelin, and it was like, okay, there it is, you know. And it just kind of roped me in. So the band just went hit. And that's where Steel Heart started. But at that point, it was Red Alert. When you think of this history, when you look back and reflect on it, a lot of a lot of stuff is going on with you. One, you're you're developing your craft, right? You're started very young, and you're still evolving as a musician. And in, in most cases, you probably still are, right? No one ever stops evolving, you know, with their with their right. art and their creativity. But at that of those formative years, when you're really getting into it in your beginning you're developing songwriting you're developing your vocal approach what came first for you was it the vocal approach i mean you mentioned zeppelin robert plant obviously one of the most iconic voices but i'm sure there were other people too that you kind of took from in terms of your approach and how you deliver a lyric and then also writing and figuring out your writing style and and how do you want to approach that what was kind of the next step was it the vocal approach or was it the songwriting um, I think it was all at once, you know, it was all at once. Um, the vocal was very important, you know, the delivery, how, you know, finding the, 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 the pitch, the, you know, the whole thing. And, um, honestly, you know, well, I did pick a pretty high one, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, uh, but that it was, yeah, it was a writing because the writing, the song, the song determines the level of energy or what you want to put into the vocal or what, what is the expression? What's, you know, what does the lyrics say? It, it, it all comes down to that. You know, if you got a heavy, nasty track, you know, you're pretty much going to be singing, you know, hardcore, you know, but if it's a soft track, you want to bring it down. So uh, the songs really determine the delivery, but um, it was, uh, I would say it was both. So, 
when you think of your songwriting, who were some of the, the, the people or who are some of the writers? Maybe there was a song that you heard that kind of captured your attention in terms of what you want to write about or your writing style. Well, you know, writing about, you know, when I was at that age, you know, you write about things that you know best, you know, and and it's difficult to write really deep songs when you haven't lived enough life, you know. So uh, in the beginning there, we we had songs that were more of, of a love thing, you know, something that we we hear about on the radio or, you know, kind of like that. So it wasn't. um being brutally honest, that's, I mean, I haven't lived life long enough to really write the songs that I've written, you know, afterwards, you know, before we started, like, I would say eight years later of rehearsing and writing. And that's when it really just kind of went click, you know, when you go through a couple of relationships that, you know, beat the hell out of you and, or you have just certain, um, what's the word, uh, just uh, experiences, you know what I mean? So. That's the way it uh, works for me. As far as songwriting goes, when did it become apparent for you that the life experiences that you were having and have had versus the the creative side in, in, in your musicianship, when did that sync up to being more deeper and being more, you know, layered in your, in your songwriting because of the experiences that you mentioned? Well, you know, the first album, the first album was a lot of hard rock and roll, you know, fun, fun stuff. Um, but there's definitely some deep songs there. Like She's Gone, you know, Angel Eyes. Um, it really clicked like around when I was 25, 25 years old. It just kind of came together where it's like everything that I've lived, everything that I've felt started being like, oh, so now this is how, how do I translate that into lyrics, into the same power of what I've experienced, you know? And, you know, I had a pretty tough childhood growing up um, with my dad and all of that came together, you know? So everything, everything came together at once. And yeah, at 25, it clicked. And then I started approaching approaching music completely different especially lyrics you know and um you know the idea to say something meaningful but to say it like the first verse you say it one way what you really want to say but then the chorus comes in it comes to the second verse where it's always like people will write usually not usually but a lot of the times they'll write the same verse to say it differently you know what i'm saying so i started realizing how to really craft the story it's like what is the story what does it mean what are you trying to say and that's um that's when it uh, really hit me all at once and i was just like okay so i need to express that to the listener because i'm like a channel right and the channel whatever is coming through me i give to the world and that has to be said clearly um and um to the point that's that's the way I, I i see it and that's what that's what happened at 25 years old it's really started coming together and as i grew older it got even better and better and better of course you know and um and 
it just years and years of um, working and writing, rehearsing, always writing. I mean, I have my phone has even now it has five gigs of just ideas, you know, just like melodies and things. As soon as I start writing something, boom, the melody comes in. I sit by a piano. I can't have, I can't sit by the piano without having my phone on, you know, to record it. Because something comes out, you'll never, ever, you'll say, oh, I remember it. You'll never remember it. It just doesn't work. You know, you may have bits and pieces of it, but you won't have the, you know, the, what came through that moment. So, yeah. I recently had Scott Stevens on the podcast. Uh, he's an acclaimed producer and songwriter in the modern rock era. He's written for Hailstorm and Dorothy and a lot of other artists in today's, um, like I said, modern rock uh, genre. And we had an interesting discussion about melody and lyrics and what's most important for you. What's most important? The melody is all important. Everything, everything is important. You can have a great melody and you can, interesting enough to, it's all really important to me. Okay. Because you can't really sing something honest fully honest unless it means something. And if the story don't mean anything, if the song is just like whatever, you can't express that emotion. At least I can't. That's not what I do. You know what I'm saying? But no matter what it is, even the pop songs, whatever it is, there it's all it all comes together. It's all it's all like gelled together. The chorus has to mean something whatever the verse verse is saying. It's extremely important. So the first thing that anybody hears is the top line melody. And that's the one that hooks you in and you go, Oh, I really like that melody. And you start singing that and you start getting to know the melody side of it. Then you want to know what the lyric says. And once you know what the lyric says, now it really locks you in and it locks in the whole picture. So to me, it's all important. The music, the melodies, the lyrics, Every part of it's important. The production side of it, you know, everything's extremely important. Is it important for you to capture the mood of a song with the subject matter that you're writing? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you don't, you know, you don't want to uh, write a song that's, uh, I don't know, maybe a, a death situation, let's just say, hypothetically. You know, you're not going to write something really happy, <laughs> poppy, you know what I'm saying? The melody is not going to be really, usually it doesn't work that way. It doesn't say, it, there's no rules, first of all. Just let me get that straight. There are no rules, but it's um, usually, that's the way it works for me. You know, if it's a sad song, we're going to bring it down sad. <laughs> if it's a happy song, we'll keep you up happy. You know, if you want to drive the car fast, we're going to make something really hard and nasty, <laughs> you know? What's the most difficult thing for you to write about? Nothing. I could write about anything. I could write about like anything. tapping into emotion that you know may be difficult for you. You you embrace nope. it. It's not a challenge. Uh, no, I want some in it. But the thing is, the thing is, once I know what I'm writing about, what the story is, I'm in. It pulls me in, and it says it's not just me. It's something like this all. There's a whole like energy around me, whether it's gods or spirits, or whatever around me. It just it, it it just comes through me, and when I when I push, 
try to get it done like right away, it doesn't work. It has its time. But what I will say is that you have to be in it. You have to stay in it. You can't just, you know, go, oh, today I'm going to work a little bit on this music and then I'm going to go do 40 other things after that. For me, it doesn't work. For me, it's like once a minute, then you stay in it. You got to stay calm, stay focused, stay with that space, that energy, the lyric, the story. And then it comes. It comes from all different angles. And then I would have deadlines. Hey, this has to be finished by Wednesday. It's Sunday. I got nothing. I got nothing really going, you know, lyrically. And instead of panicking, I don't panic. What I do is that this, I, I believe it'll come when it's supposed to come. And it always comes when I'm at most at peace, at calmness. And I leave space for the energy to come. And believe it or not, I'll go, sometimes I'll come home from the studio. I'll put it, put my phone up, my lyric book, and I'll, and it'll just like, boom, it'll just come out. And I think that's truly important to, to give it space and that energy and the respect, should I say. I've always felt that Steelheart never got their due in terms of the benefit of being around earlier in the scene in the 80s. It felt like you guys reached the heights with Angel Eyes, which was, you know, an iconic song. And everybody I knew, myself, we all loved that song and knew that song. We loved the band. Music was starting to change at that time, too. And it wasn't long after that that it completely flipped in terms of what the bands were doing, what the songs were about, the whole scene changed. And I always felt that like if Steelheart came out like four years earlier, they would have probably had a longer period of success because the songs were top notch. The performances were top notch. They were, you guys were a phenomenal band. Do you ever feel like. We didn't get our 15 minutes of fame. <laughs> well, no, but, but do you ever feel like in one ways you, you had the joy and, and obviously the success of what you had. And a lot of people don't even uh, achieve that, but I, I remember a quote from from Butch Walker, who was in South Gang at the time, who's now you know a producer, who said we came in at the tail end, and he felt that the bands at the tail end of that scene had the benefit of being able to do other things because if they would have came in ten years earlier, that was that would have stuck with that. It would have been much harder for them to to reinvent themselves. Did you feel that way too, or or what was that experience like? No, absolutely. That that's definitely well said. There is uh, validity to that. However, you know, you're absolutely correct that the band Steelheart was there uh, a little earlier. And by the way, we were ready. We were ready. We were we were we we were ready way before that. And we're just sitting around and trying to find the right A and R guy. You know, and we meet guys and be like, oh well, you know, you're just not quite ready. And this is like really. I mean, it was done. It was it was like. You know, we were just finished rehearsing. We, were, we don't want to do this anymore. Rehearsing. Let's get going, you know. And it look, life life gives you, uh, you know, challenges and opportunities when they come. You know, you can't push it. And when we came out, if um, it did give us the opportunity to be able to change. However, you know, 
music, I don't believe, has um, any rules. And even if we came out earlier and we were a much bigger success, okay, I still feel the way I've shifted the music and it is still be okay because it's, um, it needs to be honest. If the music is honest and you don't steer away too far out of the direction, you know, to your fans, it's like, okay, he just went, he just, he just lost it. You know what I mean? He just went somewhere cuckoo and I can't understand what he's doing anymore. Then I understand that. But to be able to still like, like the newer stuff I'm doing now, I still feel I have the energy of the past, but but it's still relevant today. That's what I think is, think is important. And how can you move on, you know, uh, if you feel that you can only write that style and that's where you're locked into forever, well, shit, that's like jail, isn't it? That's awful. We don't want that. So um, I would say it's a little bit of both 50-50 answer for you on that one. Um, but, yeah, no, I think, I think it's, you know, musicians evolve. I mean, Zeppelin evolved. I mean, Deep Purple evolved. I mean, every, the music always kept growing and changing and wherever life took them and direction, same as myself, you know. I mean, I went through a terrible accident. It completely made me write a whole different way when I came out of that. You know what I mean? It's like a different style, different vibe, you know, capture the today's sound, but yet still have the essence of the past and be true to myself and to everybody else, you know? Is it safe to say that back then yourself, the band, and many others were chasing something, whereas now with the music, you're making music for yourself and what you enjoy to do because you know the the music industry has changed so much you know record deals are pretty much non-existent especially in in rock and roll and and, and rock music but it, it gives maybe you the ability to write for yourself and write what you like and your fans and you know get more of an honest artist get more of an honest creative process because it's not chasing something is that true it is true. Uh, but, you know, you still have to. It's it's a kind of a two part answer. You know, I do write honestly for myself, but I also do write in thoughts of sometimes, you know, well, hey, would this work for a movie? And how how do I convey my energy and my writing to connect with the listener? Because if I do it only for me. That's selfish. Okay. This is making music is not only for me. Okay. We are channels, you know, true artists. What I feel are channels like Buddhas, I feel. Okay. And there's this messages coming through us that we convey to the listener and whatever, whatever comes to me is, has to be constructed also in a way that it can be can can work in today's world into the music world you know what i mean so it makes sense you can't just like well now i'm just gonna write just for myself and i don't give a shit okay well then you know it may be great but maybe not maybe people will be like okay you know well it's good for you but i don't like it you see what i'm saying there has to be a medium you know what i'm saying there's there's i feel there's so many things in the play especially 
the listener. You know, you gotta you gotta capture them. There's still there's still the the beauty of songwriting. I feel. I think it's a, a great song. Always captivates an audience, um, whether it's pop music, country, rock and roll, whatever. A great song is always a great song. A great song is a great song. That's it. Period. Correct. I agree. What do you enjoy most now creating music that maybe you didn't enjoy with Steelheart and, and kind of going up through the ranks when you were when you were younger? Um. Nothing really challenges me. I mean, it's just everything. It's I. It's just no. It's nothing. I mean, it's it, that was. It's just an evolution. You know what Steelheart was. Uh, that was one. That was one part of my life uh, that was amazing, and I still get to do it today. You know, I get to write um, in different energies. I mean, I got orchestras going. I got you know pianos and just just. It's just a different space you know what i mean before what you did say earlier i think what you're trying to say is that there were some more rules before in writing you know what i mean this these are the formulas that work with the people at like the 80s this is what the formula really worked and this is kind of what you got to stay in into if, if you're doing this genre of music it doesn't make sense yeah you know where now it's like you find your own space in that groove. You got to find your own space or it finds you, you know, and I just been writing openly, honestly. And when I finish a song, I know if it's like, so when it's done, I know when it's done. And when I'm writing it, I know it's worth writing, you know? So, and there's, there's so many ideas that I haven't finished, which is fine. You know, it can happen a year from now, two years from now, 10 years, doesn't matter. But, um, yeah, that's the way I see it. It's almost like now, especially with rock music, there's more of a freedom with creativity. You know, there's always been the the quotes that rock and roll is dead. And I understand to a point what people mean when they say that. However, when you look at the landscape of people still making music like yourself and a lot of new great rock bands that are up and coming, I also feel that the freedom for people to create and do what they want is, is more exciting than it was in years past. You know, like you said, there's no rules. Now you can do whatever you ever you want. You can do be an independent artist. You can do stuff DIY. I mean, I just had Tyler Bryan on, you know, who's, who's been part of the emerging rock scene for the last decade. And his last album was the first one they did independent. And just to have that freedom to put out music whenever you want to. You don't have to wait for a label to tell you when the cycle is or when when the cycle starts, so to speak, with marketing and all that stuff that goes into it. It seems like rock and roll is still in the hand is now in the hands of the musicians and the fans. Whereas it was back then in the hands of the record labels and in the in the hands of the people making decisions. I, I agree. However, However, um, you know, back in the day when you got signed to a label, you are, the beauty of that was, is that you're going to be heard. Okay. You're going to be heard unless they shelve you. Okay. Which has happened to other bands, but you will be heard and you will get a shot. You'll get a shot in, you know, in, in the game. You know what I mean? And that's the beauty of that, that era today. 
even as an independent, you need a big team. You need a team to help you get through the the mass waters of music that is uploaded every day to Spotify. You got 120,000 songs a day uploaded to Spotify. And I can honestly tell you, I have a beautiful team, a really big team, and we work our asses off. And I have never worked harder in my life. Okay. We have a very organized team. And it's there, there's, there are cycles today, you know, and this is, I don't know how many artists understand this. And the cycles today is that we're fighting the AI world. Okay. And the AI world is very um, calculated and you have to calculate with it. So it's, it's, it's like a seven to 10 week cycle. Because nowadays, so it's even a little harder if you think about it. So you put out a single. If you put out a record, by the way, the record's dead. In, in, a, in a few weeks, it's done. Might as well just shelve it. It doesn't work. So you've got to put out singles to keep feeding the machine to keep the algorithms going. And you do one, you do two, you do three. Do four. We are now on our fifth single. And honestly, it is just starting to kick in we're starting to see where people are recognizing it more spotify listeners it's growing it's like holy shit it's actually doing something but it is an insane amount of work and money you know it, this is what it takes today it's it's crazy what it takes today to really be heard because anyone can make a song in their bedroom anyone can and I'm, it could be great, but it's just another person in in the stream, how would I say, in the stream of music. And there's so much. How do you break through that water or, you know, find your way to the listener? Because it's so many things going thrown at all the people listening every second. Oh, listen to this. What about this? What about this? What about this? It's just like, how, do, how does the listener even compete? Or, or you understand? So back in the day, it was like you get signed, they do the promotion, they do a bunch of ads and record and, and uh, magazines, and you do a video, and then you get it on MTV, and voila, you're there. At least you get the chance to say, and people go. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind 
and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Nah, we don't like these guys. And you're done. Or it's like, yeah, I like these guys. Let me hear another record. Another, you know what I'm saying? So that's what I see out of today's world. And um, honestly, I'll tell you, um, we, you know, my rec company, Steelheart Records, which we've been building a year ago, a year ago, I will be honest with you and myself. I didn't know shit about this music business. And people who think they do, and they haven't been in it for real, I will actually challenge them to a lot of questions because it is extremely um, complicated where to place, when to place. The social media is beyond beyond insane for an artist, for one person to or do, because now you got to do Instagram, you got to do Facebook, you got to do TikTok. And um, and YouTube, and you got to do reels, and you got to do schmeels and beetles, and fuck, man, it's just b- brutal. Okay, and an independent artist could have the greatest songs in the world, but without that team or the help of someone helping you do it, it is pretty impossible because you can't keep up. You can't keep up. You can't. I wake up in the morning. I wake up in the morning and I'm on the phones from like eight, I don't know, till three, four in the afternoon. It's crazy. Interviews, things. And then I'm making uh, stuff for social media. And by the time I get to the studio, it's like 5, 5 p.m. And then I focus in 5 p.m. till midnight. I'm working on just music. And I got a team. Okay, it's crazy. So there's a lot to unpack there. I we we talk about a lot of that stuff on the show all the time. Um, quite recently, we've been talking a lot about TikTok, and we've been talking a lot about algorithms. And one of the things that strikes me is record labels, in my opinion, used to have a vision of what they wanted. And it wasn't so much about how popular a band was that was coming up. It was about whether they were good or not and whether they wanted to grow with that band or have helped that band grow, you know, over a period of, of a few albums. Now labels have zero vision and they want it. They want a known commodity. They want to know how many streams you have, how many followers you have, whatever the case is. And when you look at things like TikTok, and I know, I, I say this a lot. You know, the algorithms, in my opinion, stop any 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 form of discovery, right? Because you get kind of boxed in. The listener gets boxed into what the algorithm believes they want to listen to, right? Mm-hmm. And I think one of the reasons why rock music gets kind of a backseat is rock fans have always been different in their taste. You know, I can listen to 
you know, Metallica and I can listen to Steelheart and I can listen to, you know, a singer songwriter or whatever. And, and it's all under the same genre, but it's different styles. And the algorithm really doesn't impact a rock music fan like it does a pop fan or a rap fan or, who, you know, whomever's listening. And I think that because of that lack of vision and because of that algorithm, discovery of new artists or discovery of new music that you're doing gets throttled because you have to really play that game of that algorithm. And like you said, everyone can put a, put a song on Spotify. There's a lot of greatness with that, right? There's also a lot of negative to that because one of the things that is a negative about today's music world in the ability to upload a song from your bedroom or to be able to be an independent artist is there's no one in the room telling you that needs to be better. That needs to, to, to change. You know, if you have your mom and your girlfriend in the room constantly, they're going to tell you that that song you did, oh, that's the great, I love that song, that's great. But there's no objectivity. So bands put stuff out or artists put stuff out on Spotify that needs a little bit more time in the oven needs you know a couple more things in the recipe and i think that in itself waters down the genre waters down music because although it's great anybody can upload music and i think that's awesome but there's also the fact that people people are 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 their own biggest fans sometimes and they think the song is great but they haven't been they haven't worked it out i have a i have an 18 year old son who's who's trying to get a band together and he goes, well, in a couple of weeks, we'll be able to put a song out on Spotify. I go, a couple of weeks? What are you talking yeah. about? I go, you got to work wow. that song out. You got to play that song live hundreds of times before that song's ready to be put out there. I go, David Lee Roth did, a, did an interview of how many hours you have to play live to know that you're ready to, to take over the world, so to speak. And it doesn't take two weeks to sit in a bedroom writing a song. You really need to, to play it to get all the holes out. So yes, I, I do think that it's great that the music is in control of the artist, but like you said, it is an ever changing world from day to day and you need a team around you or you have to have people in the band that know what they're doing when it comes to algorithms and social media contact and all that stuff. Cause it's not just being a musician anymore. It's not just writing songs and being creative. It's <clears throat> outreach. It's constantly being in the algorithm because if you don't post for a day or two, it's like you got to start all over. So, yeah. you know, it's 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 a crazy, crazy world in, in terms of music, in terms of people being discovered. And what's also frustrating is you mentioned AI, too, as well. When Capitol Records signs an artist, an AI artist, to a record contract, I'm like, what the mm -hmm. hell is going on? This isn't real. This is a fake entity. This is not right. a real thing. And although I think... It is it is the record label's fault for doing something like that. I also think the fans bear some responsibility, too, for accepting stuff like that. Like, how many times mm -hmm. have we seen an artist sing to a track live, and then they're not next to the microphone, yet their vocals keep going? And right. when they grab the mic back, the crowd cheers. Why are they cheering that? I never understood that. That's just me. But I do think... Again, kind of just to boil this down to one point, there is no vision in the industry anymore. There is no working with a band and growing a band from beginning to success. And I think that is really the the, the big thing that is the big difference. I, I agree. I, I 
what we are doing, I mean, we're focusing on Steelheart right now, you know, and basically I'm kind of like the guinea pig in my own, you know, world. And I would love nothing more. If, you know, this really works, nothing more, but to, to bring it back to old school. Like I'm saying, an artist is like a Buddha, but we have to take care of the artist because the artist is, cannot be a marketing expert, cannot be a social media expert, cannot be all these things because then the, the spirits or the gods are not coming through. They're not speaking. There's too much cloud. Remember I told you when I started writing, I got to set everything apart. I got to be alone. I got to no phones and just be for a minute. So that I can hear, I can hear myself, you know, and that is a problem today. And, you know, I feel like there needs to be some sort of something put in place. Like, you know, you can't be, you can't join a Screen Actors Guild until you have done a real movie or something that really uh, is official to the Actors Guild that you can join. Well, I think it should be the same concept. You shouldn't be able to just throw shit up there just for the hell of throwing it up there. How about this? You need to earn your, you know, your position, you know, and once you become this established artist entity, this is what you do. I mean, you can still do other things, but this is, you're devoting serious time to this, you know, then you can come into this pool. But to throw everybody in this pool, it, it just it just makes it complicated for everyone. And I feel we're losing um, we're, we're, we're what's the word um, jipping ourselves, let's say. The is authenticity that, isn't there. Well, it's not. A, yeah, well, that authenticity isn't there. But what about the you know, let's let's face it. Right. We all grew up to songs that we have memories to. We smell things and we remind us of the first kiss or the first back backseat sex, sex situation, whatever it is, you know, where you were suicidal and you heard a song that took you away from being that. And you're 16. You see what I'm saying? Those are true messages. That's why I say artists are like Buddhas. They're like psychologists. They're visionaries. They're giving information. They don't even know where it comes from. But that's their job. That's what they do. And there's no one taking care of those true artists. You know, it's just been, it's just, it's just crazy. You know, and like, okay, now, uh, from now on, what you're going to do, you have to do everything. And when I hear, I do speak to a lot of artists and it's like, how are you doing? Oh man, I'm great. I can do this. I own this. Now I own my stuff. And always says three years later, I ask them, how are you doing? I just did this list literally the other day. How you doing, Danny? Yeah, I'm okay. I'm just doing this show. And I'm like, it doesn't work. It's too much. It sounds good. It sounds good. Yeah, now I own everything. I can do everything. You can't. You can't do everything. It doesn't work. And that's where, you know, I feel we're losing that. The, the, the information that we could be getting, you know, from artists, that authenticity is that, you know, sitting down, putting on an album, even an LP, and you sit there and, and listen to a record in its entirety. And it's a, it's a, it's a vision from A to B. 
You know what I mean? All to A to Z, I'm saying. You know, it's like, it's a thought out, a thought out movie, so to speak, you know, and those 10 songs that you listen. And yeah, it's it's gone. Like these guys, they want to put out a song in two, your, your son in two weeks. Great. So what are you going to do after that? So you got one song. Great. You throw it up on Spotify. Even if it gets a million, million spins. Now what? Where are you going now? Uh, shit. We got to write another song. Oh, it's not going to be two weeks. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's just like an artist, right? An artist has a first album. They have their whole life to write the first album. Right. You could have a million songs. You go to write, write the second one. All of a sudden, everything you've written that you think you're going to write in a second album, you write all new songs. It takes time. Right. So. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also think, too, it, it, for in my opinion, it all started with like the shows like American Idol, The Voice, this idea that you can show up at a hotel and do an audition and then you're on TV is is such a it's such a fantasy that it's not actual reality for so many people. And I think it creates this idea that that's all you need to do. All you need to do is go to a, go to an audition, kill it. And then now you're on TV and it's just so ass back. It's selfish. Selfish. I feel it's selfish. You know, the social, the, they, they've, they've, they really have the power, you know, the the youtube the spotify it's so much power it's so much power how to drive the person how do you know what they want to be you know and who they are they go, i'm going to be a singer today and oh no i'm pull away i'm going to be a social media star okay and you are that star for six months and after that six months shit you're done now that is like that's scary man that is scary to go up that high and drop that, you know, come down to that low. That's not healthy. But where the social media, all these platforms, no one gives a shit. It all comes down to comes down to the cash, the money. How do we make it bigger? How do we, you know, it's interesting. These these platforms have so much power. It's like how do we how do we focus more on building the energy of the intelligence? You know what I mean? Instead of just manipulative i have to say you know but it is on one hand i will say this also it is also a powerful tool if you know how to use it and you have a team to help you work with it it is also a powerful tool but it is very complex let's just say that so what do you got going on now what's the music that you're working on now so we just finished um the steelheart 30th anniversary album and I've taken several of the songs, uh, completely reworked them. Uh, we just did Everybody Loves Eileen, which is out right now. And that is uh, is basically close to the original, but it's more aggressive. It's harder. It's just a different edge. It's more sound of today. I think it came out pretty damn good. So I hope you guys like it. Um, but then I've taken songs like um, She's Gone, and uh, I reworked it. Uh, bit different arrangement and did it with a piano vocals and a 40 piece orchestra Mm. it's it's pretty intense it's like you know um, and also we did Mama Don't You Cry 
vocals, piano, 40-piece orchestra. Um, I did uh, I'll Never Let You Go, Angel Eyes. Uh, we did that one as an acoustic duet. And what I didn't want to do is re-record everything exactly the way it was. Because if that's the case, then there already is the original, unless I'm doing it for you know other reasons. But um, I feel like if I'm going to do one of my old songs, I need to capture another level of energy of today, you know, and that to me is the way it should be instead of just re-recording, you know, the old versions. I mean, that's, that's easy. And, um, I really like the way the songs came together. The oldies re-records I've done. They're special. They're their own energy. And, I feel I still captured the essence of the true essence of what the song was and rewritten. It still is. And it still made it my own today, if that makes sense, you know, and um, I'm really excited for the world to hear uh, some of these tracks. I mean, the whole album is, uh, is well uh, chosen from the fans. They helped us choose the songs and where it was most famous in different parts of the world. And, um, that should be out. Um, we have the LPs end of May and we're looking to, uh, we're going to release the vinyl, the digital full album and angelized video. Probably sometimes I would say end of June, beginning of July. You talked about reworking a lot of the stuff. What was that like kind of recreating something differently? that you guys are known for i mean that's that's kind of a slippery slope too because people are, have find it so familiar or some find those songs to be familiar then changing it I, that excites me because i always I, I love when an artist talks about approaching something differently years later they would have played it differently now because you know they're better musicians now than they were 30 years ago 20 years ago or they they've learned more about the instrument or they've learned more about the approach and i've always like to see what it would sound like if they did it today but what was that like for you revisiting that stuff it, it was um it was really nice because let's say like uh angel eyes right you know the original was was a beautiful love song you know what it came out today what came to be is a love for one. So when you hear it, it's not just, you know, a love song with another uh, person. It's a love song for a mother and her son or mother and a daughter or someone dying or someone, you know, two old people. Okay. Someone getting married, uh, sending off their, their child to to war or to the army. You see what I'm saying? It's the love for one. I'll never let you go. You know, where the original was, it was a love song. It was that's what it was. And this is much broader, much more. It's deeper. I mean, that's the way I see it. And it and it's uh, it's like a hymn. You know, and that was the uh, that was where it took me. You know, that's where where the song brought me today. He's saying when she's gone, when I did she's gone, it's just like I just sat by the piano and I reworked this. Even the piano's twisted, but it's still the same. You can still hear the same song, you know? And um, 
And it just became, I think the only word I can say is deeper. It's deeper. It's, it's uh, definitely deeper. Um, the originals are fantastic. I love them, you know, and, uh, but um, without a doubt, there's no way I was just going to just re-record something just to record the, you know, it is what it is, you know, it's, it has to be something special. It has to be something different. A lot of people talk about the mark of a great song is being able to stand a test of time. And that is true. But I always believe a great song evolves with the person, right? I mean, we keep evolving as individuals. And if a song can stay with us through those evolutions and have different meanings through different periods of our life, like you just mentioned, that truly is a great song that it can have multiple meanings as you go. Exactly. Through your life. It, it's just, it, that's, that to me is a mark of a great song. Yeah. And anyway, anyone can do it. Anyone can do it, their version of it, and still has that greatness to it. You know, I had I had one of my most, most beautiful compliment when I played it um, for some of my friends. And we're sitting there and we're listening and and I'm just, you know, curious to see what people would say. And Dawn, my friend Dawn, she comes back, she goes, she goes, wow, I never would imagine that that song could have been done any better. What a compliment. She says, I feel this song sounds better now than the original. It's like, okay, well, I'll take that. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, um, yeah, so it's, it, you know, again, it comes down to honesty. It comes down to when it's done. It's, um, it's done. It's done with the right energy. It's about energy and honesty, you know, and if you, if you, if you capture that, then, you know, doesn't mean that everyone's going to like it, you know, but I'm sure that everybody will have you go, well, I don't really like it. I like the original better, but this is still good. This is still really good. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Then, then, you know, you've captured it. Is there plans to take this out on the road, this anniversary edition? Yes, absolutely. I mean, we're, uh, we're, we're doing a lot of shows coming up now. There's a lot of shows booked that are not even on the site yet. Um, it is all a part of it. It's all a part of the big plan. We did uh, so far. We did four, four releases, four video, five videos. You know, um, we've been doing a video with every release. Which again, see, this is what I mean. It's a lot of work. You know what I mean? And and the videos are that we do are not just whatever videos. You know, they, they're focused. You know. Um, Absolutely. I mean, wherever it takes us, you know, this is, I, I can only do the best I can do. I can only deliver and try to keep up with today's world expects of me and do it as best as I can. And the rest is up to the world. It would be nice, you know, if the fans could capture it sooner, but Man, like I said, they're being pulled on so many different directions that it's hard to keep anybody in the lane. You know what I mean? It's just, it's like, it's like this, you know? So, yeah. Well, I look forward to seeing it. I can't wait. To, hopefully, you'll be in the Chicago area. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, and another thing, I don't know if you know. You know, the song Trust and Love. I don't know if you've seen that video. Have you seen yeah. that video, Trust and Love? Yeah. So I wrote that during the pandemic and I sang it in 10 languages. And 
and we've still got more more songs, more uh, languages to release. And um, that song, uh, not long ago, actually, uh, maybe seven months ago, eight months ago, uh, we're doing a movie. A friend of mine is doing a movie, and I played it for the director. And the director loved it so much, he named the movie Trust and Love, and that's the theme song. Actually, tonight, I'm seeing a private screening of the movie where Steelheart, the band's in the movie. I'm acting in it. And the song um, Trust and Love is the theme song of the movie, uh, amongst six other songs of Steelheart that's in the movie. So that's exciting. They're very exciting. Yeah. Absolutely. That's yeah. awesome. You know, yeah. w- w- when you see some of the bands from that period have this resurgence, you know, I just had Phil Lewis on from L.A. Guns last week. And I think that one of the things that always annoyed me was the dismissiveness of that period. But in reality, the bands like Steelheart and all those bands that were around in that, that era knew their instruments. Though they were, You guys were musicians compared to the genre that came after. And, and, and what's been going on now, like you guys knew your instruments, you know, the, the, the talent was off the charts in most cases. And I, I still think that is the last period of the great musicians, you know, yeah. the, anything that's come after that, it's been good, but man, so the guitar players, the, the vocal arrangements, the singing, the, 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 the production, it was, it was a full package. And. I kind of missed that era. I want that era back because well, that was exciting. Exactly. You just hit a nail on the head. That's what I, if I ever could build this company, that's what I want to do. I want to bring that back. When I said, when you're doing an artist, no, we're not going to just go do one song. We, yeah, we'll do a song. But you know what? You're not going to just do it down the street. You're not going to do it in your bedroom. We're going to do it. Like when we used to go make records, we'd go to England. I'd go to, I'd go to, to Wales and make a record, you know? Or you go, we were in, we were in Connecticut. We came to Los Angeles to make a record. You leave the space, you leave everything behind. And the beauty of those days, right? When you're making a record, all the elements came together. The music, the money, the team, the label, there's so much that came together. It's like magic, you know, and you go and you make a full album. And it's like a, like I said earlier, it's a voyage. It's a journey. You're listening to a journey. You could sit down and listen to a record and it's a journey, not just a bunch of songs thrown together. So that era was magic, period. Okay. The 60s, 70s, 80s, magic. 90s, there's some good stuff there. I'm not going to knock it. There's definitely some good stuff. But then after that, I just started, you know, and yeah, and, and you know, back then there was no, there was no Melodyne, and you know the computer and all that. It's like, go in, and we're going to push record, go. And it's not like, oh well, let me let me pitch that and pitch this a bit. No, sing it, and sing it. You know what I mean? Either you got it or you don't. That was the beauty of it. Today, I meet producers today that I. I'll never forget, I'm talking to this, this uh, producer, he's doing pop artists, and he said, he goes, he goes, oh, no, 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 I get in there, and I, I, I tweak it, I tweak every breath. I'm like, um, Jesus, so where is the authenticity? Where is the human side of this? You know what I mean? That's where, it, and that's where, that's, you're absolutely correct. And then everybody's, 
lip syncing and it's, uh, it is what it is though. You know, it is today. And the one thing that I'm very clear on myself and I like to share this with everyone else is that what it was, it was, it was beautiful. It was amazing. But what today is, is, and either you conform and work with it or you step aside. It's just what it is, you know? Very true words. Very, uh, very true. Where can they, uh, where can fans pre-order the anniversary edition? Steel, www, <laughs> steelheartstore.com, which we have a beautiful new store that we revamped, which we got so many great things. We got some great shirts. We got some jewelry, like, you know, these kind of things. We got some new jewelry coming out. We have uh, leather jackets, um, everything done to its top. Okay. Um, the album, uh, I've done, I've done something fun, like old school promotion. Um, only 500 LPs that are numbered and signed, uh, available. And you can, um, and then one of those, uh, albums is going to be a Mili Wonka ticket. You know, like a Willy Wonka, the gold one. <laughs> and the gold one, you get a prototype, not a, not a, made one but a prototype ovation guitar they won't make everyone another one again okay prototype ovation guitars shirts backstage passes all kinds of stuff so and then there's a silver silver uh ticket as well so a little fun stuff so you can get at steelheart store uh if you go to steelheart.com there's a lot you know you can get it all from there and there's also steelheart tv now we have all the old old footage all the uh, interviews and we're uploading stuff all the time. So it's uh, it's fun. It's a uh, Steelheart, uh, how would I say, uh, universe, so to speak, is um, is growing. And, hey, I'm not stopping. I feel like just begun. So having fun. And I hope you guys uh, enjoy all the uh, music and what we create. Well, Yanko, it's been a great conversation, man. Thank you very much for doing this. Well, thank you for having me, buddy. All right. All right, everybody. That is Milyanko. And he's uh, from Steelheart. And go check out his merch at uh, Steelheart, steelheartstore.com and get all the, uh, get your Willy Wonka ticket. That's exciting. So <laughs> I'm uh, I'm Jay Scott. This has been another episode of the Hook Rocks, the Ultimate Rock Media Podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy, take care of each other, and we will talk soon. Thank you.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 